Hello, my friends, and welcome to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from New Jersey, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in today and listening to me on Rural Radio, Sirius XM Channel 147. And as you know, we get together here every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, and then again with a re-air Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern time slot also. And if you miss an episode, you could always go back to the archives on my website, farmmachinerydigest.com, and click on the FMD radio tab or any other of the major podcast hosting sites, and you will find it there. So I hope everything is is going along well for you, God willing. And uh, it's hard to believe that, but we're coming up on Christmas. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you, if you have a hot rod farmer in your life, or you are the hot rod farmer, you're probably the hot rod farmer. If you're listening to this, you may want to jump over to my website, and then for, uh, it'll be up in around, uh, I think, November 30th, so in a couple of days. And I'm do I do I'm doing my fifth annual What to Buy the Hot Rod Farmer in Your Life Christmas Gift Guide and Podcast. So you may want to check that out or you may want to just have somebody listen to that for you. But you know, keep in mind you're gonna buy it for yourself also. And what I do is I feature ideas of different tools and equipment that the hot rod farmer would really find a value to bring into your farm shop. And then while you're over there, when you hopped over to the website, farmmachinerydigest.com, to check out that buyer's guide, then I'm going to ask you to give me a pin in my map, enter the free, enter the contest to win the free hot rod farmer license plate, and also enter the contest to win one of three books. And remember, we have three. I have three books I'm giving away, brand new books. I did not author them, and I have two cylinder John Deere tractors by Rod Beamer. I have International Harvester Trucks, The Complete Story by Patrick Foster. That is trucks, not tractors. And then I have Farm All, The Golden Age, 1924 to 1954 by Lee Clancher. So you could click on that tab where it says enter the uh, license plate contest, put your name, your email, fill it all out, and right after your name, put a hyphen and say either JD Book IH book or far more book because I'm going to be giving away the three books and it's going to be three separate drawings. So I'm going to, I'm separating all of the people who want the John Deere book from the International Harvester book from the far more book. So this way that you could get, you could possibly win the book that you want. And I will send that out to you. And the drawing is going to be just before Christmas and I will announce the winners on all. On, on my podcast and on the radio show for all three books. So I wish you the best with that. So just go over to the website and fill it out, and then we can go from there, and you'll be in the contest, right? Now, you know, today what I'm going to talk about, well, you didn't know, right, because I said you know. And uh, how would you how would you even be able to, well, you're not a swami, you're not going to be able to, to read my mind. I can't read my own mind. But, you know, there I go, I say it again, it must be a New Jersey thing. There's an intrinsic value, both financially and emotionally, for keeping older equipment running on the farm. 
and specifically farm tractors because they become like family they you got history with them right it may have been you may have bought it yourself or maybe somebody in your family bought it or your grand your father or your grandfather your cousin your uncle whatever but they have history they have history that new stuff does not have well you know it was new at one time but it now has your blood, your sweat, and your tears on it. So what I'm going to talk about today, right after the short break, is some tips to keep that old tractor in the field working, not hiding in the shed for a parade, but in the field working. Because remember, agriculture runs on machinery, but profits on reliability. So sit pat, and we're going to keep that, because that, that tractor is kinfolk. I'm going to show you how to keep it well. I've been talking about being an entrepreneur literally since I was 10. Sirius XM's Business Radio. Inspiration to help you achieve more in business. Be creative, be tenacious, be decisive. Just do it. From finding a work-life balance to motivational stories from entrepreneurs big and small. You learn something in the successes and a lot from the failures. It's always worth it. Business Radio. Powered by the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. Sirius XM 132. How can natural products help you raise bigger and better crops? I'm Darren Hefty. In recent years, natural products have exploded onto the market claiming to improve soil health and plant development, making it tough to make the right decisions for your farm. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals Workshop Thursday, January 12th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of natural products and want to share with you what we've learned. For more on this free event, go to agphd.com. While you're there, check out our other Ag PhD events we have coming up, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, and two days dedicated to helping you better understand soils and making your own fertility recommendations. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it all with you. To learn more about these events and to register, go to agphd.com. Hello, I'm Ethan Wayne. John Wayne and American Experience is in its second year in the Fort Worth Stockyards and visitors are loving it. Come spend a couple hours and immerse yourself in Western nostalgia. Get a unique look into Duke's life that's only available here. All right, mister. You asked for it. Tickets available on johnwayne.com or they may be purchased at the Cowboy Channel Bar across the street on Exchange Avenue. Reserve your tickets now. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. So as I said in the first break, if you happen to be tuning in late, is I'm going to discuss the theory and what you need to do to keep an old farm tractor working in the field. And it's so important to keep them working. And as I said in the opening segment, is that there's a lot of intrinsic value to keeping an old tractor working. Number one is that you're saving the money, the expense of buying a new one, which is quite costly today. But don't interpret this as me saying that I don't like anything new. I'm not one of those guys. I think something new is wonderful. But today, the price tag is really, really high. And then also, you're adding a lot of complexity to this machine. Tier 4 emissions is a whole, whole, and it's not just Tier 4. There's just so much complexity. Granted, that complexity in lots of times gives you some value 
all right? It gives you the opportunity or the ability to do things that you weren't able to do before. But if you really look at it, all right, a tractor is nothing but a power source, all right? There, you may have other things like auto steering it or air conditioning or maybe higher flow hydraulics. But if you turn the clock back, let's turn it back 30 to 40 years. Let's, let's go 30 years so from, the 19, from the early 1990s. If you look at that, the tractors from the early 1990s up until today, is that they could do 99% of the work that a new tractor does. Maybe not as comfortably, but still the comfort level was pretty good back then. It wasn't like you had an old steel metal seat like we had on a 9N on the farm, and we had an old Oliver Row Crop 70. The 9N seemed like a Lincoln compared to the old Oliver when I was a kid. I remember when I got that 9 in, and the, the seat actually had some springy effect to it. I thought I was uh, like, ah, man, I, I thought I was walking in high cotton there. My father put me on that. But anyway, so if you look at it, the ability of the piece of equipment did increase. But if you, it's meant to pull an implement. So that's all it's meant to do. No matter how you look, if you break it down to the ridiculous. So there is a value of keeping older equipment in the field working. And the other thing that comes into play, which is the emotional part, is, you know, it's, it's I think, uh, because I'm a big softy, I just think it's wonderful to have history with equipment. And as an aside to that, in my other life, being an automotive journalist, and even, you know, and with the radio show now on Sirius XM and the podcast, is that I, that I have access to press vehicles. I, I road test them. I talk about them on the show. But people say to me, you know, a manufacturer will come to me, and Ford is wonderful for that. They say, oh, you're going away. You want, you want to take this? You want to take that? I want to make memories with my own vehicles. And I feel the same way about my farm equipment. I want to make memories and some of the memories are good. Some of the memories are sad. I'm not going to deny that. Crop failures. We had a, we had a crop failure this year due to the drought. But I want that. I, that's what family, that's what friends are all about. And if you have an old piece of, you have a, I shouldn't say an old piece of equipment, because that implies that you just went out and bought something old. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a piece of equipment that was in your family for a long period of time. It may not have been since brand new but it's been there for a long period of time and you maybe grew up with that piece of equipment or it was your or it was your father's last tractor or whatever it may be there's as many stories as there are farms and tractors but i think that's something in life that was so easy that was so quick today to throw away we want to throw away the history of the country we want to throw away the history of the world let's throw away the, the, the let's go lease a car and get rid of it there's no connection to anything today so but the thing is that from my perspective, if you want to keep an old tractor working, and I'm not talking about a combine, I'm not talking about a sprayer, I'm talking about a tractor, something that's going to pull an implement, I, I believe that you have to have a certain thought process. And that's what I'm hoping to convey today in this episode of the show. Now, the first thing that, that we have to turn the clock back and look at hopefully that you recognize that and took care of that piece of equipment properly from the day it arrived on your farm. So if you did not take care of it properly from the day it, you, that it arrived on your farm and you neglected it, you didn't service it, you it sat outside, it's all rusted, it's the paint is faded, 
well, you still have a chance of keeping it going, but that your, your likelihood is a lot less than if you did take care of it. So we're going to work. I'm going to work under the assumption that you did that, take care of it. I'm not saying you have to make love to it and cover it up with a blanket at night and sleep with it, but that you took care of it at least to the level that a piece of equipment needs to be maintained. So now, what are the pitfalls of keeping an older tractor working in the field? Well, the, the one major pitfall today is being able to access replacement parts for it. And I'm not saying everything, but what you should really do is you should start to, if you're going to make a business decision, and remember, it has to be a business decision. There's an emotional aspect of it, but there's also a business aspect of it. If you're farming 20,000 acres, you're not going to be able to farm that with a 30-year-old th- tractor. You may have a 30-year-old tractor do certain chores, but you're not going to be able to do that with a 30-year-old tractor and do, and, and do it efficiently. You're going to end up going out of business from my perspective. But if you're farming up to a few thousand acres and you have a you have a tractor that you took care of and you're looking at it almost like you would look at a car or a pickup truck and say, well, geez, you know, this thing is still good. All right, maybe needs a little work, needs a little bit of an investment. I would like to keep this going. I want to save the price of a new unit. So what I suggest that you do, and I like to write things down because if you write things down, then they, be, they become clear. In any aspect of your life, you need to put clarity to things. Excuse me. And if you don't have clarity to it, it's all foggy. So the first thing you need to do is look at the condition of the tractor, look at its health. You may want to do some testing on it. You may, testing meaning, I mean, you should be pulling fluid samples, but if you haven't, let's pull from some fluid samples from the coolant, the engine oil, the transmission, and the hydraulic fluid. Let's see what we're up against because there'll be a telltale sign of showing you if something is going away that's that's of major importance i mean for instance let's say you do a coolant sample and you see a lot of metal in the coolant sample then the cylinder liners are probably going away that may not be a dead that may not be a deal killer for you but it's probably a lot more in detail than you would want to as far as keeping this old tractor going so we'll work under the proviso that there's no great shocks with any of the fluid samples so the next thing you need to do is you need to look at the tractor realistically here it is i'm telling you it's an emotional attachment but as a businessman you have to wear two hats you wear an emotional hat and you wear a businessman's hat so now we're taking the emotional hat off and we're putting it on the side and we're going to look at the businessman side say okay is this tractor been reliable we did some we did a fluid analysis on it we we did a, maybe a compression test, a leak down test <clears throat> on the diesel. Leak down test is a pain in the neck to do, so you may want to do a blow by test. And you say, and, and if you're working with the equipment, you know where it's where it's worn and where it's not, and say, okay, fine. So this is a good candidate for us to keep on the farm working. Now, I'm not saying you could keep it forever, but working on the farm every day for the next five years. So then go through the tractor in your mind and write, take a take a a notepad and write down what needs to be done to it to make it a reliable piece of equipment because reliability is a hundred percent of the key because if it's not reliable then it cannot be a working tractor for your farm it could be an auxiliary tractor but not a main tractor so you could look and say all right fine we really need to go and uh, i'm making up stuff uh 
put uh, you know change change the belts and hoses on it. No big deal, right? We should put some tires on it. We should uh, uh, maybe put a clutch in it or, or do something. So start to make a list of what needs to be done for it to make it a hundred percent reliable. And I'm using the word. I'm using the term a hundred percent. You could buy a brand new one and it dies the first day. But but you want to look at the things that are potential problems, just like. You could go on a road trip with your pickup truck. You say, well, I went through the vehicle. I checked everything over. That doesn't mean it's not going to break down. But the likelihood of it breaking down is much less than if you didn't do anything. So now we go through it. So we make this list. And then what you basically do is go and you assign a value to what it's going to cost you to do this. But before you even get that far, what you need to find out, not decide, is are the parts still available and that is the biggest problem that sidelines a lot of older farm equipment is that there is a lack of availability of parts and i'm not saying everything but the, the core items so for instance what i would do is even if it does not need to be replaced right now i said geez you know i haven't put a water pump on this tractor for 15 years i'm not saying you go out and change the water pump but is a water pump available? Is a power steering pump available? Is a, is a clutch available? Whatever it may be, is a is our axle bearings available? So make yourself a list of things and do your due diligence. And the thing is that I'm going <clears> to <throat> excuse me, excuse me for clearing my throat. Uh, what you also need to do is try to identify whether the parts that you would be potentially buying are of high quality. You can say, well, how am I going to do that? Well, there's a lot of, you could probably get parts for almost anything today, all right, but they're not of the highest quality. So how would you identify it's the highest quality? Well, if it's some name brand part, you would assume that it's of better quality, all right, if you would get original equipment part. If you're working with a 25, 20 to 30-year-old tractor, you could probably get, because of the um, the useful life of farm equipment, you, would, you could probably get almost everything original equipment or only one tier below original equipment. So that's very important. You identify that, and you don't have to go through everything. You say, are there major components? Can I get a water pump for it? Can I get an alternator for it? Can I get a clutch for it if it's a manual? Can I get can I get an axle bearing for it? Whatever, whatever, whatever. Can I get an air conditioner compressor for it? Whatever it may be. So, I mean, you don't, you're not going to make reams and reams of lists here going through everything, but you get a basic idea of what of what it of what is available and the cost of it then the next thing i would say is now that you have that put together in your mind and write it down on a piece of paper on what you think that you're willing to invest in this tractor and this investment should encompass your parts that you need to that you would buy your time you have to assign some value to your time it's not like your time is is so many times in agriculture, people consider their time worth nothing, all right? Your time is very, very valuable because you could be doing something that's more productive. And if you're not going to do something that's more productive, during those off hours, you go to a job and get a town, get a job in town, at least get a paycheck. So put it, put it assigned value to your time, a realistic value. And then, and then, you know, when you're thinking about that, saying, well, 
you know, what would I not, if I were not going through this tractor and trying to keep it in the field forever, what would I be doing with those hours or those days or those weeks? And if you said I was to be sitting in front of the television watching TV or, or the computer watching YouTube videos, well, maybe, you know, your time isn't worth as much as somebody else's. No disrespect. So do that and get an idea and then also get an idea of what you would have to sub out. So, for instance, let's say if you uh, wanted to paint the tractor, if you wanted to uh, to rebuild the engine and you'd have the machine work done. So get an idea of what you'd want to sub out. And then also, is there a place that you feel comfortable doing that? And then you could go talk. To, I mean, this is a great winter project. You go talk to, for instance, a machine shop and say, I have a, an XYZ. I'm thinking about pulling out the engine and having you go through it and re-sleeve it and put so what do you think it would cost? What would you do? And do your due diligence because as a businessman, you cannot make an, a, a proper decision, an intelligent decision until you do your due diligence. So write this all down. Writing it down brings clarity to anything in life because you could look at it. Figure it all out. Say, is it in my budget? Do I have? Or you may say, well, hey, where I live, there's nobody who does machine work within a thousand miles. To be ridiculous, all right. Uh, and you know, that's that's not a. Then again, it's not a deal breaker, but it's something that comes into the equation, all right. And the next thing, so you pencil this all out, and you say, I'm very comfortable with this. You talk to your wife, whoever has you have to talk to. I feel it's I'm going to do this to it, and I'm not saying you have to rebuild the whole thing. You have to keep it reliable, and then. The next thing that you should do, in my estimation, is start to collect parts. So if you, for instance, let's say you have an old John Deere and you go to the John Deere dealer and you could find that, excuse me, you could still get an original equipment clutch for it, but you don't need a clutch today, I'd buy that clutch and that pressure plate and that flywheel and the throwout bearing because down the road you're going to need it. If you say, well, I could I, I could still get an original equipment water pump, but my water pump is not leaking today, then you start to stockpile the parts, the, the OE parts or the high-quality parts, even though you don't ha- need it right now. And then what you'll do is you'll start to build an inventory, and based upon what you want to do with the tractor, you may start to to work on it right now you may start to say well hey i i'm really happy with the way the tractor is i may want to change the belts hoses put some new tires on look to put a modern tire an if or a vf tire on it just because it's old it don't have to wear old shoes old style shoes all right and and once you have this all identified and you have a game plan then you could start to work on this tractor to the level that you need to be need to and then you could take that and you could go into the field the next number of years god willing with confidence and not having that complexity the biggest thing today in my mind is the complexity of today's equipment let alone the upfront cost and i'm not against buying new because everything that is old at one time was new but the fact of the matter is there is so much complexity that I wish somebody would truly bring out a simplistic tractor without all the bells and whistles and not all with all the electronics and just do what it's supposed to do and bring back 1992 or 1994 again today because ultimately we raised crops, we were profitable, we harvested, and we didn't have all of the complexity. And like I said before, in engineering, it's KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. The more complex you have, the more potential 
problem areas. This Iowa Minute is brought to you by the Iowa Farm Bureau. Dr. Brent Haynes has a busy family practice in Knoxville. His situation is hardly unusual. 73 of Iowa's 99 counties have a doctor shortage. For 20 years, Farm Bureau has encouraged Iowans to finish their residency and practice in rural Iowa. Nearly $200,000 in scholarships have been awarded. I received when I graduated in 95. You get paid in residency, but not a whole lot. And so it's a nice shot in the arm at a time at a time in your career where you certainly need it. We do inpatient care and we take care of people in the nursing home and we take care of people with hospice. I still deliver babies and that's a huge rush. It's yeah, a great place to be part of the community, still be involved with science, still be involved in people's lives. Additional support of the Rural Physicians Loan Repayment Fund was announced in a special news conference. With your Iowa Minute, I'm Lori Johns. Katie Lucas here saying hello to my Canadian friends. Now I know you want to watch the 2022 NFR, so I wanted to let all of you know that the only way to be able to watch it live is with a streaming pass from CowboyChannelPlus.com. You can stream all 10 days of the most important event in the Western world for only $99.99 with an NFR 10-day stream pass, only available at CowboyChannelPlus.com. Download the app free, stream the 2022 NFR, and get more bang for your bucks, Canada. Hi, I'm Ty Morgan, host of U.S. Farm Report. Join me each weekend as we explore the news and issues that matter the most to agriculture. From taking a deep dive into the volatile markets to sharing compelling stories that capture the heart of rural America, as well as custom commentary from John Phipps. We cover it all every weekend right here on Channel 147 on Sirius XM. U.S. Farm Report, a timely, trusted tradition. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. Now it's time to meet me in the farm shop. But first, we got to hear from Tex Rubinowitz from Ripsaw Records. He's the hot rod man. Come on in, buddy. Let it rip. Well, I'm a rolling daddy with a mean machine. It's got a V8 motor. It sure is clean. I'm a hot rod man. Yeah, I'm a hot rod man. Look out, little mama. All right, Tex, thank you so much. And what I'm going to be talking about today is checking the temperature on the engine of a portable generator or some other small engine that's going to be running for a long period of time, potentially. All right, even a lawnmower makes no difference, lawn tractor. When using a small engine under load for any length of time on a portable generator, use an infrared thermometer to monitor the temperature of the oil, cylinder head, and the generator itself, which is called the power head. The surface temperature of the oil sump will be close enough to the oil's temperature. Since these engines are air-cooled, point the gun at the cylinder head to determine if it is overheated. The same holds true for the generator, then again the power head. It is always a good practice to have familiarity with operating temperatures to not only predict a potential issue, but to provide confidence that the generator will keep the lights on. So you should get into the habit 
of checking temperatures on any engine, any piece of equipment that has to run for a long period of time. And now, like, we're getting into the winter. There's going to be, yeah, the, the reality of it is going to be power outages, right? You're going to be running that backup generator. Even if you have a, 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 a standby generator that's running your barn and your house and your farm shop, you got to get out there, and it's not a small engine, and it's probably, it may even be liquid-cooled, but you got to get out there and you got to start to check temperatures of different components. You can't just go about it and say, hey, everything is fine, and just because the liquid temperature is not high. So I want to thank you so much for tuning in, and I want you to know that the Hot Rod Farmers Pawn for you, the American farmer and rancher, and my beloved of love in America. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Gratitude from the farm. Hello there, and welcome to Tennessee Home and Farm Radio. I'm Amy Beckham. I'm thankful for uh, my family. I'm thankful for the ability to be able to get up and go to work and do what I love every day. Thankful for organizations like this that represent me. Well, just like everyone this week, farmers across our great state, like Todd Littleton of Gibson County, are thinking of all the things we have to be thankful for. And despite a challenging year of high input prices, a drought, and so much more, that list is still quite long. Robert Wilhoyt of Greene County agrees. I'm thankful for my family, thankful for what God's given us. I'm thankful COVID has come almost to an end now and we're back to normal and things are back the way that we all were before and now we can get back to our traditions and do things the way we're supposed to. And Crystal Norwood of Weekly County shares what she is thankful for. Thankful for with all the trials we've had this year we have had a good crop not a great crop but better than what we expected. Family got to come together and it's kind of grown us closer dealing with the difficult times and being able to share that story with folks and just growing with our church family growing with our neighbors and being able to be there for one another during this time. Matt Ledbetter of Bedford County says. I'm very thankful for a lot of things this year my family for one thankful for farm bureau that we get to come out here and we get to discuss these issues we get to find some resolution to them just being part of this organization is is very rewarding last but certainly not least in the far upper corner of the state john brookshire from johnson county feels especially thankful for his health this year you know, I'm thankful, especially for my good health. I fought COVID bad uh, last year, very touch-and-go situation, and uh, he, he pulled me through it, and I'm so thankful for that and thankful that I've been able to be out on the farm uh, doing this year. Well, not only this week, but all 52 weeks of the year, we are thankful for our farmers. They work day in and day out to provide our food, fiber, and fuel, and we never take that for granted. Thankful also to have you join us, and for Tennessee Home and Farm Radio, I'm Amy Beck.